0: So tonight we are going to start a series in the book of Daniel, and I am super excited uh, for what God's going to be showing us um, over these next few several weeks. I'm just going to let things happen. I don't have anything planned, really. Um, and, And we're going to go through the book of Daniel, and we might not go through every single chapter. We might not hit every single thing. We're going to hit some highlights and some things that are going to be applicable for you students in your lives Um, as you try to live in this world and this culture as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. So go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And uh, the, the study in the book of Daniel, we're going to look at a couple of things, but the main thing that we're looking at is what real boldness and courage and strength looks like. Because Daniel and his three friends, which we'll go into that later on, Daniel and his three friends are really going to show us what it looks like to be strong and courageous and bold and wise in in their entire life. And so these are some applications that we need to put into our lives right now, and especially you as students. If you can get these applications and apply them to your lives now, How much, when you get to be as old as I am, these things will be ingrained in you, and you can just, it just comes a second nature if you start doing it now and applying these principles to your life now. So that's why I asked everyone to bring a pen and a paper so that you can take notes, so that you can take these uh, these things that we're going to learn, and maybe there's one thing that just pops out you're like, I want to take that home and think about that. If you don't have paper, guess what? Those papers I just gave you with the words, use that. You can write on that. That's yours. You don't have to turn those back in, okay? So tonight we're going to look at Daniel chapter 1. We're just going to look at a couple of verses, um, and, and I'll explain to you a little bit about that. But one thing about uh, all of us, and, and I say all of us because I think we all kind of fall into this boat, is that we all want to be viewed as strong. We all want to be viewed as strong, right? Right? No one wants to be seen as weak, right? No one wants that, that stigma or that being called weak at all. Everyone wants to seem strong. We all want to be seen as individuals or different in who we are. We don't want to seem like a wannabe or a poser or, or like everybody else. We want to be seen as an individual, as different. We want to be seen as special or one of a kind, right? I mean, just look at your social media. We all want to be seen as special and one of a kind. We don't want to be seen boring or normal or the status quo. We, just, we don't want to seem that way. However, in so many cases, we end up going with the flow, going with the crowd, Doing what everybody else is doing because we really don't want to be an individual, or because it's just easier to be accepted if we follow along. Am I right? Is it easier to be accepted if we just follow along with what everyone else does? Okay. Or maybe, maybe we're just too scared to not be like everyone else. Maybe we're just too scared to go against the flow. And so what we're going to study in Daniel is we're going to study that Daniel and his three friends, which some of you already know I'm talking about, but their original names were Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, and how Daniel and those three are the perfect examples of how to be strong, how to be an individual, and how to go against the flow. How to be bold, how to be courageous, and how to be wise, no matter what's going on around you. We're going to learn that in the book of Daniel. So as I was studying for this, um, for this the, the very first week, I, I, I plan on going just dive in right in, okay? And, and what I'm, we're going to talk about is a little bit of an intro or a back uh, story about what's happening in the life of Daniel and the people of Israel. And as I was preparing for that, just to give you that little bit tidbit, God said, no, 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 we're going to dive into what that means. We're going to we're going to we're going to look at what events led them to this point. Listen, I didn't plan to do these songs. I had different songs planned. I had a whole different sermon to talk about tonight. And this was just going to be the intro, but God said, "No, we're going to focus on this." So tonight we're going to talk about when God corrects. When God corrects. So verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Uh, I had this when I was studying, and now I'm having trouble saying it. Um, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So, a little bit of an intro. Babylon has taken over Israel. They've taken their land, they've taken them captive, they are now enslaved to the people of Babylon. Okay? Now, there's something you need to know. Before this, God has warned them over and over and over over again that if they refused to turn from their ways if they re- t- refused to turn from the direction they were going and follow after him and what is that called you remember they're going one direction you turn repentance good he says you need to repent god says Children of Israel, you are my people and I am your God. You need to turn from the way you're going and follow after me. You need to repent. And if they would do that, he would spare them. Then he would... But if they refused to repent, he was going to give them over to the enemy. He said, listen, you need to repent and if you don't, there will be consequences. He gave them... A chance, which shows us God's mercy. He didn't have to do that. He could have easily been like, nope, squish you out like a bug. You were done with Israel, moving on. But instead, he showed mercy and said, listen, listen, you don't have to continue this way. We can straighten out, turn this way, and I will protect you, and we will go back to the way things were. I will show you mercy. He provided them a way to come back. And that's grace. He said, listen, all you have to do is repent. And just follow after me. Turn from your wicked ways. Stop doing those things that you know you shouldn't do. Just follow me. That's all you have to do. God's mercy and His grace. Why? Because He provided them that to come back out of His love for them. So we see in just... Just His warning. We see His mercy, His grace, and His love. He's saying, Israel, I love you too much to allow you to destroy our relationship. Grace and mercy and love all in a warning. But they continued in their sins. They continued in their sins. And in spite of His warnings and His pleads and and whenever God would send people to plead on his behalf and they did not listen, they end up killing those people. So in his justice, he gave them over to the enemy. In his justice. Because they were flirting, listen, they were flirting with the gods of the enemies for years. And you say, well, what do you mean by they were flirting with the gods of of their enemies because they started to perform idol worship. The children of Israel were worshiping the gods of their enemies. And if it wasn't full-out, full-fledged idol worship, they were bringing the idols and the pagan rituals. Into their Jewish customs that God had given them. God ordained, this is how you worship me. And they say, well, we're going to do that, God, but we're also going to take some stuff over here from, from this religion and we're going to and put it in ours. And, and we're going to bring this idol in and, and we're going to put it here and we're going to worship that and you. And that's not how it works. God gets everything. So God gave them over to what they thought they wanted. They thought they wanted that lifestyle, so God said, "You, you think you want that? Here you go. See, students, there's, there's a truth here I want you to understand, is that you can't enjoy God's blessings while indulging in the faith, worshiping idols, and blatantly living in rebellion against God. I'm going to say it again, because I think it's worth saying it again. You can't enjoy God's blessings While indulging in the flesh, worshiping idols, and blatantly living in rebellion against God. God won't bless that. And I think that we as American Christians need to understand that. Because we see and hear people, God bless America, right? But America indulges in the flesh, worships idols, and blatantly lives in rebellion against God. And our blessings will run out. And you say, well, that sounds really harsh, Pastor Chris. That sounds really harsh and not very loving. But students, God is a loving God. And He is a patient God. He is loving and He is patient. And He is also just and He is good. And the more we fight against God and go our own way... He will eventually give us over to our sins and our indulgences. He'll do it. He loves us, and He doesn't want it for us, but He allows us to experience See, Paul talks about this. Uh, keep your finger there in Daniel chapter 1 and flip over to Romans chapter 1. Because Paul talks about this over in Romans chapter 1 uh, in verses 20-25. through 25, or Excuse me, 21-25. through 25. Paul addresses this issue. He says, "For although Romans one twenty one, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God." See, Paul's talking about all of mankind in this verse. All of mankind. He's saying that they knew God. They say, "Well, you know, what about the people who don't believe in God?" Paul addresses that in just a minute. But I'm going to go ahead and give you a sneak peek. That's not a good and valid excuse. You say, well, why? Because God knew in His infinite wisdom, and Paul knew when he wrote this, that people could not go outside and see creation and not realize that a Creator made that. Creation screams, there's a Creator! Creation screams, God! And so the excuse of, well, I believe in evolution, won't work when you're at the feet of God. Well, I didn't know you existed. Did you see the sunrise every day? Did you see the the sunset every day? Did you see babies being born? Did you see all these things occurring? Then you cannot say you didn't know that there was a God. Paul's going to address that. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking. Believing in evolution means you're futile in your thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. All these people that, oh, well, there was a big bang because I see, you know, can record, they're real geniuses, aren't they? But they can't even see the beauty of creation that God made it all and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals of creeping things. Therefore, verse 34, therefore, because of all that, God gave them up in their lust to their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Right there. It's right there. (laughs) They worship the creation and not the creator. And God said, Okay, if that's what you want, you think you know what's best for you. I know what's best for you. You think you know what's best for you, so I'm going to let you experience this. And that's what happens to the children of Israel back in Daniel chapter 1 when they go into captivity. Now, students, this is going to be a mind-blowing experience. At least I hope it is. Because a lot of times when we talk about Daniel, we talk about the judgment of God, right? Well, God was judging the people by letting them go into captivity. I'm going to take this a step further. Do you realize that by God allowing the people to be taken into captivity by the enemy? He was showing them grace and mercy. Do you see that? If you don't, you will in a minute. God allowing His people to be taken into captivity by the enemy is showing His grace and His mercy. See, He could just have allowed them to continue in their sin. He could have allowed them to continue in their rebellion and allowed the people to destroy themselves and their relationship with God. And eventually die and spend eternity away from God in hell. He could have done that and would have been just in doing so. That their sin would have been judged based on his his justice because he is a just God. He could have done that. But instead, he is showing his love, his grace, and his mercy by allowing them to be defeated and taken captive by the enemy. He's giving them another chance to see that what they were doing is wrong. The things that they thought they wanted are actually very harmful. And giving them a chance to repent and turn back to God. By allowing them to go into captivity, he's, they're finally able to see and experience what we thought we wanted we really don't want anymore. God, forgive us and deliver us from this. We realize we're wrong and take us back, and we find out later on that He does. Thank God. That's His love and His grace and His mercy. Yes, it's judgment. Yes, it's justice. But God is all those things wrapped into one. Understand students, and, and I know it, it's hard to understand because I didn't get it at your age. I didn't, I'll be honest. But do you understand that discipline and correction are a sign of love? I mean, to you, when we discipline you and correct you, it's <sighs> right every time you get the face, you pout, you moan, you get upset. But we're doing this be- as parents. Because we love you. Now, I get it. Some of your parents might go too far. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about discipline and correction and a loving mentality. Let's look what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. It says, and just jot it down, Proverbs 3, through 12. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Listen, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. He's saying, listen, don't get upset by the discipline and correction and reproof of God because that shows and proves that he loves you. That proves that he wants what is best for you. And he's doing it out of love. And that's what he was doing to the children of Israel. I love you too much to let you continue down this road. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verses 7 to 12 <clears throat> uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, right before this they quote this verse in Proverbs I just read. and then he says, "It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. God is treating you as children. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. What does that mean? That means that if God does not discipline you, then you might not and probably not a child of God. And that should be scary. In your life, if you're doing stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing, and you have no conviction, nothing in you is telling you to stop. Nothing in you is, is saying you should not do that. And there is no correction or discipline from God. And there's, there's cause to be worried. Illegitimate. You have no ch- You have no father. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of Spirit than live? In, in other words, you, you have your parents, and they discipline you, and you, you respect them for disciplining you, but why don't we respect God for when He disciplines us? When He corrects us? When He says, don't go this way, go this way, instead of saying, why, God, I really wanted that! Why, God? Why'd you take him away? Why'd you take her away? Why can't I do that thing that I know I wanted to do? Because God knows better. And instead of saying, Why, God, we should say, Thank you for taking that person out of my life. Thank you for changing my direction. Thank you for showing me your will. Respect him for it instead of crying about it. For they disciplined us. For a short time as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good. Catch that, students? He disciplines, God disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. In other words, when it happens, it sucks, but you get over it. Okay? but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now there's a key word there that you got to catch. Basically, it sucks, but then it yields a good fruit if you've been trained by it, if you've learned from it. So, There's a difference in just being disciplined and then doing it again. And being disciplined and saying, ooh, maybe I shouldn't do that again. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weakened knees. I love that verse. (laughs) He's saying, listen, you're getting a little little bit of discipline from God right now, but be thankful because that means you're his child and he loves you and you're going to grow from this. So get up, put on your big boy, your big girl britches, and move on. That's what the writer of Hebrews just said. I love it. And the whole idea of these five verses I just read to you is that God corrects us for your good and His glory. Praise God. That we are corrected by God for our own good and for His glory. It's not just to be a means God, God shaking His fist. Absolutely not. We see in verse 2 in Daniel 1, it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. With some of the vessels of the house of God, he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. It says that the Lord gave him. It was his will for them to go into captivity. See, students, you've got to understand something. God loves you. God loves you. And even if you say, well, you know, you're talking about parent discipline, and my parent disciplines me because they just want to scream at me. Listen, I can't, I can't answer that. But I will say that true discipline from a loving heart, one day you will be thankful for. And God loves you. And yes, He loves you just as you are, but He loves you too much to leave you there. He loves you too much to watch you hurt yourself to the point of no return. He loves you too much to not correct you as one of his children. And again, he's not going to discipline if you're not his child. I mean, I cannot go out and discipline someone else's child. Many times I've wanted to. Many times, many times, especially at Walmart, I have wanted to discipline someone else's child. But that's, that's their child. That's up to them. I'm responsible for my child. They're responsible for theirs. And so God is responsible for His children. So if you're not being disciplined by God or corrected by God, are you His child? See, we as parents, we correct you and we discipline you out of a place of love. I know that's hard to imagine, but we love you. And there's various reasons. You know, either we did it, we did that thing we don't want you to do, and we don't want you to experience the pain that we went through. That could be one of the reasons. Or maybe we've seen what happens when people make those choices. And we want to protect you because we want the absolute best for you. I know that's hard to imagine, but we want better for you than what we had. We don't want you to endure the pain, the agony, and the suffering that we had to go through, so we try to point you in the direction that says, Hey, I went down that road, and I can tell you the end is really bad. So instead, take this road. It's out of love. And if we as human parents, we're merely humans. We make mistakes. Sometimes I discipline when I shouldn't. Okay? I'll be the first to admit it. But if we as human parents, we discipline out of a place of love, how much more, how much more does God love you than we do? How much more does he want what's best for you than we do? And sometimes, as parents, sometimes we may allow you to experience something that may hurt you temporarily to teach you a permanent lesson. Sometimes we do that. Like, stop, don't touch the hot boiling pot with water in it. Don't touch it. But yet you just, stop, don't touch it, finally, all right, see what happens. Ow! Told you not to touch it. Right? Right? But that temporary pain taught you a valuable lesson to not touch hot things. But we as parents are never gonna allow you to do something that's going to bring permanent harm. Like I'm not gonna give you a fork and say go plug it into a light socket. You could die. Not gonna do it. Sometimes God allows you to touch the hot stove so you realize that He was right and you shouldn't have touched it. And He does that out of love. But sometimes, students, sometimes we touch that hot stove and we run to our, our God and He puts some ointment on it, you know, so it'd make you feel better. And then we walk right back and we touch it again. And then we run back, and he puts ointment on it. And then we run back, and we touch it again. That feels like, I do that all the time with sin, y'all. I run, ow! God, I'm sorry. It's all right. Ow! God, I'm sorry. It's It's like a repeat. But we just keep doing it, even if it tells us to stop. And your decision, and listen, students, your decision... To touch that stove over and over again may cause a scar, especially if you're a slow learner, and if you keep touching it and burning yourself. So instead of blaming God, you only have yourself to look at there. The people of Israel were warned over and over again. They were given chance after chance, and God was very patient with them, but eventually, God had to allow them to fall. In order for them to realize they were wrong, allow them to repent of their sins and return to God. He gave them over to show His justice and His love. So, tonight, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a background about what's going on during this time that Israel is in captivity in Babylon. And I wanted to help you understand that God's correction. Is a sign of his love. It's a sign of his love. So the point of tonight, if you're writing, taking notes, write this down. The point of tonight, God loves us too much to not correct us when we are wrong. God loves us too much to not correct us when we are wrong. He loves us too much. So I I have three questions. And then we're going to pray and we're going to wrap it up. Are you going through correction right now? Is God putting you through a correction or or discipline? If so, praise God. Because he's showing how much he loves you. Are you coming out of a correction or discipline? Praise God. Praise God. Because he's showing you his grace, his mercy, and his love every time. Last question. Have you never been corrected? Have you never been disciplined? If so, then you need to pray to God for repentance. Because as Hebrews said, your illegitimate child, you're not his son, if he never disciplines you. So if you want to do that, tonight. Let's say, let's say you're here and you've never experienced salvation. You've never um, accepted Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. I believe that you died for me, that you rose for me. I want to live for you with all of my life. If you've never done that, We want to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe, um, maybe you've said a prayer one time when you were younger and you didn't really understand what you were doing. And now that you're older and you have more understanding of what you're doing with your life and things just don't seem in line, and you want to make sure that you are a follower of Christ, you want to make sure you have that opportunity as well. Or maybe you're in here, I know I'm a Christian and I know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're going through discipline, maybe you just came through discipline, maybe you don't even know what it looks like. But you're willing to say, God, if you want to teach me a lesson, I'm willing to learn. We're going to have a time of prayer for that, and we're going to wrap it up. So bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second.